This edition of the Rochester Rundown is brought to you by Ultra Federal Credit Union, a member-owned financial institution with two convenient branches right here in Rochester. Ultra is proud to support local independent journalism on MedCityBeat. Since Barnes & Noble left downtown, the Chateau Theatre, one of Rochester's most historic spaces, has spent the better part of the last seven years sitting empty, as it currently does. What should the future of this historic space look like? The city council will spend the rest of the summer figuring that out in the hopes of reactivating the chateau in some form before the snow flies. The conversation started on Monday, and we'll take you through the council's opinions on how best to activate the chateau, plus what the city's project manager for this project expects for the future. That story coming up in a second, plus, as always, the news of the week and some shows to go to this weekend. I'm Isaac Janes. It's Friday, August 6th, 2021, and let's get to the news. The fiery yellow and red marquee of the Chateau Theatre has caught eyes downtown since its first opening in 1927. Charlie Mayo laid the cornerstone of the building, and it hosted live vaudeville showings and movies for decades. The future of the theater was murky in the 70s and 80s, and the threat of demolition was always there, until it was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1980. After closing in 1983, 11 years passed before Barnes & Noble reopened the space as a multi-level bookstore. That's how much of the new generation, myself included, remember the chateau, with the original Art Deco stylings of the interior still struck everyone that came in. Barnes & Noble left the chateau in 2014, and in the seven years since, the 93-year-old facility, now owned by the city, has spent the majority of that time sitting empty. After a task force led by former mayor Ardell Brady recommended over $20 million in upgrades to turn the theater into a, quote, multi-purpose performing arts center, Exhibit's development group was selected to get a shot at operating the space, opening their first exhibit in November of 2019. But just four months later, COVID hit, and this June it was announced that EDG would not be returning to the space. In a study session Monday, Mayor Kim Norton said the chateau currently sits empty not because of the work that led up to its previous iteration, but simply because of dreadful timing for EDG to start something new. I think what's been a shame is watching, watching it not activated, um, despite the efforts that were made, because this has been mentioned, because of the pandemic, because of the construction, the timing just couldn't have been worse um, for someone to try something new in our community. But now, another activation strategy is getting underway, starting with that study session discussion on Monday. There's a long way to go before the council will come to a consensus on exactly what should go in the chateau, but council members indicated they wanted to see an operator come in that could provide some permanence inside the theater. Councilmember Mark Bransford said he believed it would be better to shed all interim tags on this RFP as it was originally planned. It would give applicants more flexibility, he says, to think past a short-term solution and solidify the theater's downtown presence through its 100th anniversary. This has been limping along uh, now for a while, and we're continuing to have a plan for a plan and then an interim use to figure out what we want to do again and again. So I, I, I think it would be better to just put out an RFP and say, you know, this is kind of what you need to do for us. Councilmember Patrick Keene said he would be okay with an interim operator, but also wanted to see, quote, bigger ideas come forward in order to finally have the space live up to its potential. Any long-term operator should be able to put their own work into the space while the city serves in a supporting role. You're not looking for somebody to come in and I can use your space. Thanks for letting me use it. But this thing of like, they should help us run it and make it, uh, you know, uh, 
improve the values of the city. And that that's, um, so I hope we can get there. All of Monday's comments turned into notes for Jamie Wilson, a project manager with the city of Rochester, charged with taking the council's comments and using them to guide the process towards finding a new operator. The plan originally called for that interim operator, and Wilson says that could still be the case, but taking the word interim out of the proposal, as Bransford and others indicated, simply allows for greater flexibility. We don't want to hinder someone from coming forward with a really great idea that could be a longer term idea because they feel that they only have a limited amount of time. Finding that permanent operator and popular programming will be nothing short of paramount to the theater's success. The city has already put $1.8 million into renovating the chateau, with more renovations to the bathrooms and the HVAC system on the way. That's not counting the $6 million it costs to simply purchase the building. Wilson says the key to a successful reactivation will be to find an operator that can be flexible with its programming. EDG was torpedoed by COVID, but in a post-pandemic world, running static programming like museum exhibits may not be enough. Having the same exhibit run every day, she says, limited the amount of people that wanted to visit. So it'll be important for this new operator to prioritize what's called dynamic programming, one-off events that change on a daily basis, to make sure people want to come back to the chateau day after day. Once you've seen, for example, the Beatles exhibit, your likelihood of coming back for the Beatles exhibit is lower. If there's something else happening in this space and the Beatles exhibit was here, you might come back, but you need to have something else to draw people in. There's lots of different ideas on what the Chateau could and should be, but Wilson says versatility will be key to the Chateau's future. In her eyes, it may not be just a music venue or a banquet hall or a museum area. It's probably going to be a little bit of everything. And that could finally be the answer to activating a beautiful space that sat behind locked doors for the better part of the past decade. We don't have to go into this with the mindset of this is what it is forever. We could go into this with the mindset of let's start trying things. Let's start seeing what brings people out. Let's start seeing what brings people some joy. Wilson says to expect a draft of the RFP to be discussed at the next council meeting set for August 16th. At least one organization has already expressed interest in operating the space, so we should know what the future holds by the fall. Whatever organization the city ends up choosing to partner with will take the keys to one of Rochester's most beloved buildings. And Wilson hopes the first events will turn the theater back into the center of community it was all those decades ago. Like, let's let's come into this space and have some positivity around it and give it an opportunity to grow. Like, give it some wings be patient with each other as we figure that out and that we grow in that. We've got so much potential within these walls. The Med City Beats Rochester Rundown is sponsored by Ultra Federal Credit Union. Whether you are in the market for a home mortgage, car loan, or are simply looking for a trusted brand to manage your money, Ultra is here to help. Unlike large, privately owned banks, Ultra is a credit union owned by its members, allowing it to reinvest profits in its stakeholders, employees, and the communities in which it operates. Among its key priorities, promoting financial literacy to local youth through the Ultra Foundation. To learn more about how Ultra can help you live your best life, visit ultra.org. Now we'll look at the top stories on our site, medcitybeat.com. 
The spread of the Delta variant in our area has brought back some masking regulations in Rochester and Olmstead County, although there is no citywide mask mandate in place as of yet. Just a quick rundown on where we stand right now, Friday afternoon. Mask wearing is again required for all people in city and county-owned buildings, plus Mayo Clinic is again requiring all staff to mask up regardless of vaccination status. In an update to the last podcast we published, the Rochester City Council on Monday directed staff to come back with a lease agreement with the Landing MN that would allow the nonprofit to continue operating the day center at Silver Lake Park through April 2022. Under the proposed agreement, the landing would continue to operate out of the space for eight more months, mostly on its own dime. The city would only be responsible for providing the building and paying utilities. And the Olmstead County Board signed off on a plan this week to put $16.1 million in federal relief funds toward affordable housing. The, quote, unprecedented support for housing infrastructure includes $10 million for a Rochester Area Foundation initiative that aims to create and preserve more than 1,100 affordable housing units in Olmstead County. Another $5 million will be used to create affordable home ownership opportunities through a new program to be developed by the county, and more details, of course, are still to come. All of these stories and more, including a profile on 100-year-old Sister Lauren, the oldest employee at Mayo Clinic, are online now at MedCityBeat.com. Now, here's a few shows we're excited for this weekend. There's two weeks left in the Down by the Riverside concert series, and on Sunday, Grammy-winning quintet Ranky Tanky headlines Week 5 show with their style of contemporary golo music. Of course, it's at Mayo Park. Local openers are Thomas and the Shakes. Music starts at 7, and admission is free. And before Ranky Tanky plays their first song, head across Center Street to the mini food truck party presented by Choo Choo Kachoo, Duck Truck and Taco Lab for this week's show that runs 4 to 8 p.m. Lots of other music to check out this weekend as well. Taco Jed's weekend lineup includes Jay Havoc and Friends tonight and Mike Munson this Saturday night. Over at Thesis, they'll have Hair of the Dog tonight at 7. All of these shows are free. Make sure to check their website for any potential COVID-related restrictions. And that's where we're going to leave it this week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, the best way to support us is to become a member, be a part of quality local journalism at medcitybeat.com membership. I'm Isaac James with Med City Beats. Have a great weekend, everybody, and I will be talking with you next Friday.